Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What up? Sweet 16 Thursday. Great to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. That'd be a great place to be starting about, oh, five o'clock or so, leading into a 5.30 tip-off for four Sweet 16 games in the NCAA tournament tonight. You've got four more tomorrow night. Again, a 5.30 start for those games. And uh, so you'll get basketball tonight from 5.30 until what? Uh, probably almost midnight. And the uh, the nightcap is UCLA and Gonzaga, so it could be a lot of fun. You've got one SEC baseball game on the docket as Georgia and Auburn get their series started this weekend if you want to be a part of the conversation this afternoon, we'd love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT solutions who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. You know, teams get fired up before games. I found myself like doing a little pregame, a little pre-show hype today. And it wasn't really intentional. So I got a text from a buddy today, and it said, did the idiots really ban Inter Sandman at Virginia Tech? No. I was like, wait, what? So I Googled it. It's not football related. It's not football related. You have to remember that the Virginia Tech women's basketball team was a one seed, and they were hosting first two rounds at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. And the NCAA, who loves to take fun out of events, in its infinite wisdom, said no normally used hype songs or videos inside venues, making it more of a home court advantage than it already is. Which is such and, a dumb rule, by the I way. Know. Let's get rid of the unique stuff about our atmospheres. Yeah, good call. There, 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 there is such an easy solution to this. Play the visiting team's hype video, yes. too. <laughs> yes. Open a Dropbox account, have your video people download and then Dropbox to the hosting institution, whatever your pregame hype video it is, is you put it on the timing sheet, 
play the hype video, play the song, whatever, do their starting lineups, and then do it for the home team. It's such an easy solution that, of course, the NCAA screws it up. So what did Virginia Tech do? Well, their students took it upon themselves to say, well, you may be able to ban us from playing the song, playing a video, but you can't keep us from singing it. Heck yeah. And so the Virginia Tech students who had one end zone full at their women's basketball game with their students for, for the home court advantage thing, they sung the chorus of Inner Sandman. And it was cool. So that started me down a rabbit hole. I was like, hmm. I just pulled up Apple Music. I was like, I'm going to listen to Inner Sandman. So I did that. And then I was like, but you know, if I'm going to listen to the song, I probably should watch Virginia Tech's pregame entrance. So I did that. And I was like, ooh, there are a lot of good pregame entrances. And so I went from that to South Carolina Space Odyssey 2001, and I got chill bumps going all over the place. And I was like, you know what? It was really cool in Knoxville a couple of years ago when Ole Miss played, and so watch some of the pregame from that. And it's like, we got to talk about football this afternoon. Yeah. I, know it's, I know it's basketball day, but what are we going to do? So... Um, That's the best rabbit got hole. Got the juices going, and, man. And it's the Woo. same videos. You've seen all of those before, and it doesn't make them any less awesome. And there was, and, and it's the funny thing is, there's a specific one that you're looking for. Yes. Like, like the South Carolina pregame entrance you're looking for is the 2001 version, not Space Odyssey 2001, the year 2001, when they were hosting Florida at night for the blackout game. And the video starts with Chris Fowler who is still hosting college game day, and he's like doing on-the-field reporting. And hey, Dad, then he goes, and now to yell over the pandemonium inside the stadium, let's send it upstairs to Mr. Ron Franklin. (laughs) And then you get that iconic voice, and he introduces number three, Florida, number 15, South Carolina, one of the most anticipated matchups in the you know, university's history, and they get fired up every time the Gamecocks take the field. And then he just lays out for the next minute and a half, and you hear the entire Space Odyssey 2001, and Lou Holtz is standing there, and sat, like the, the players are just like being held back. Woo! So good. So good. The Virginia Tech one, the one that I go to every time when they mm-hmm. open the season on a Thursday night against Ohio State. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Because they had a cameraman follow them. Because their locker room is far away from the stadium. It is a long walk. And they had the cameraman follow them from the exit of the locker room. And they walk on that path. I guess it's just like a grass field or whatever between the locker room and the stadium. And they follow them all the way down that path into the stadium. Wait for the right notes to hit in the song. And I mean, just... Perfect broadcasting. You uh, you can join us this afternoon, 601-879-4395. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Clemson does the, the bus ride, and that's so cool. And We've seen it where ESPN follows it with a drone. I mean, look, I know it's, it's different than in some places, but when Mississippi State has got it packed, and it's at night, and they play the more cowbell video for the team to run onto the field. It's good stuff. When Ole Miss has got a night game at home, and they're doing the whole lock the vault thing, and you've got the whole stadium engaged, and they're Wait, swaying. what's a night game? Yeah, I know. They, they, don't, they don't have those. They, they, they used to, and, and maybe they will again. Maybe they will again. That so. laser show for the Egg Bowl was sick, though. I mean, all joking aside, they did have a night game this mm-hmm. past season. And that laser show was awesome. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. More of that. More laser show. If you can incorporate lasers into your game day environment, do it. Just more lasers, man. Not uh, not opposed to that at all. Hey, Dad, I get your football juices going just a little bit, just on a random Thursday in March. That's the problem. My football juices are always running. They're always flowing. You, yeah, you don't ever have to talk me into it. Yeah, I know, I know. But sometimes you get to like chill, but like you get but to I, random. But I'm like you. There, there, there are days where I'm just sitting at home, like I'm gonna Google LSU highlights and watch some LSU stuff, and then that'll lead me down the rabbit. And then the next thing I know, I look up and two hours have passed. Yeah, yeah. I love to do nothing. It's like, let me hear four notes from the LSU band. And now yes. every hair on yes. your body is standing at attention, and it's just time to go. We do have spring football stuff going. And uh, I may not get to it today, but we will uh, hopefully hear some audio from some players and some coaches in Oxford and in Starkville as spring football marches on. I know that's not the same adrenaline rush that you get when we're a week out from the start of football season in you know end of August, beginning of September. I get that, but um, anyway, so. Uh, yeah, whatever, man. There's never a bad day to to think about that. Not one, yeah. ever. Every, you know what we might do? every we, day could be football day. Never Would never tire of it. Uh, I tell you what, we, we might take a peek at that week one, week two schedule coming up. I don't think we've done that yet this year. We might take a peek at that coming up a well, little bit we've later. We've also got... What I think could be an interesting college football conversation coming later, too. Okay, we will uh, we will also get into that. By the way, uh, I don't. I, th- I think I mentioned this the other day. I don't listen to it all the time, but now it's kind of like it, because I've listened to it recently, it pops up. Um, the the Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, Ross Dellinger podcast, and they had Jack Swarbrick, the athletics director. That they almost never do guests. It's like just they. I'm pulling Ross out of this mix. Those other two guys love to hear themselves talk. Uh, and so they they very rarely do it. But Jack Swarbrick was on, and he had an op-ed in the New York Times today about name, image, and likeness and kind of the overall state of college athletics. And that was a really fascinating conversation on uh, a lot of different levels. And for all of the jokes about Pat Forty and Dan Wetzel in particular, we all think Ross just does a phenomenal job. Those guys do ask good questions, and they're not afraid to probe and push a little bit. And uh, there was there was some good stuff there. I need to so, listen to that because I read the op-ed, and, and there are some interesting things that were that were said for sure for, from both of them. A, a couple of really ridiculous things, though. The first is calling on the NFL to create a minor league. He, he admits that that was that was and, the most far fetched part and, of the, of the, of the proposal. They'll, they'll never do that. But the the insurance trust fund is is a good idea and interesting and very player friendly. Like it, it was, there was some good, some bad. Uh, the the crying about the female athletes is really funny because like after I got done with that op ed, I saw another article where uh, football leads the NIL deals in college sports because of course it does. Guess what's number two. Women's basketball. So, kind of falls on deaf ears when you're using that as a pawn, by the way, which is what they're doing. It's a pawn. They don't really think that. But you, mm-hmm. you can't say that, well, it's it's all the boys. When No, the women's basketball players are second in college sports behind football uh, in terms of overall NIL deals and the values of them. So, Yeah. 
Uh, four Sweet 16 games tonight. We're going to get into those with David Cobb from CBS Sports, not in this next segment, but the one after that. We'll talk a little bit about these games when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. They started 5:30. Game one: Michigan State and Kansas State. Not a bad way to start the night from Madison Square Garden. Then you got Arkansas and UConn from Vegas. FAU and Tennessee at the Garden. Gonzaga and UCLA from Vegas. It was on this day, on this day in 2006, Gonzaga blew a late. Nine-point lead. That was a good Gonzaga team. Adam Morrison and company lost to UCLA in the Sweet 16. Will they get revenge tonight? I don't know. Maybe. Here's what it sounded like from the one and only Gus Johnson. A 60% free throw shooting opportunity to shoot the three for the tie. Second free throw good. Cargo at 69%. They throw it to Morrison. He holds on. You don't want to foul Morrison. You make him get it over half court. You know you got to foul. And a steal! Fireball! Inside! The freshman up! Oh, and they go in front! Rivio! Last chance to dance! Unbelievable! Oh, what a game! Unbelievable! What a game! UCLA! Unbelievable! Are you kidding me? Down by 17, and they come back and they win in the Sweet 16. It was an all-time NCAA tournament classic. Uh, You know, Gus Johnson isn't my favorite all the time, but I liked him on the NCAA tournament. It's it's kind of made for him. I like him. that's That's his spot. That's his sweet spot, yeah, for sure. I like him when the moment calls for him, but not every moment calls for his energy. And... I would rather have a guy that's too excited about sports than a guy that is not excited at all. You know what I mean? I'll take a guy that's a little over dramatic as opposed to a guy that is like calling a funeral. But there are games that I'll watch that he's calling, and it's like, Gus, this isn't one of those screaming moments here, man. It, it, you know, it's just a regular football play. But when it calls for that, it adds to it. I think. I was watching the video, so from the Furman Virginia game. You obviously were watching the game. But they, in most of these broadcasts, they've got a camera on the announcers now. And yet Kevin Harlan, who's good in big moments, really good in big moments. Sometimes his voice is like a little too much for me, but he's so talented. And he's the one that, you know, he'll like do play-by-play of a streaker going across the field on Monday Night Football on the radio. He's just really talented. He was doing the, I think it was Dan, uh, Dan Bonner and Stan Van Gundy. I That's think right. those were the two analysts that were beside him. And he did something that I had not seen before. And if it wasn't somebody that you knew and were comfortable with, you might be a little off put. But there was an awareness for Kevin Harlan in the moment of making that call that it needed to breathe. So he makes the call where Furman hits the shot. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Kihei Clark throws the inbound. It gets intercepted. Furman comes in. They hit the shot. He has the big call 
and to be and, and he's like almost falls out of his chair, but he immediately leans forward and he throws his arms like out in front of Stan Van Gundy and Dan Bonner as if to say, "Don't talk." Now there are a lot of announcer teams that are together all the time, and like you don't even have to say that or or intimate that. But those guys don't work together all the time. And I thought it was like interesting presence of mind for the play-by-play guy to say, okay, I nailed the call, now this thing has to breathe. And he kind of threw his arms out, and they didn't say a word. They just let the crowd noise tell the story and the pictures, and it was so good. And then he came back and he kind of capped the call, and then the analyst came in. I thought, And the reason I even mentioned that was because you're listening to that Gus Johnson call, and you've got an, a, a color analyst beside him who just can't help himself, and he's like, unbelievable, unbelievable. And, and, and Gus Johnson's still trying to make the call. It just gets muddied. Did you see Kevin Harlan's comments about that, though? No, I didn't. What did he say? He, he was not a fan. He said he doesn't like having the camera on him. He, he, he doesn't believe that you know the, the, the focus should be on him. He's doing his job, and, and he would prefer that, that not occur going forward. Yes, really? So I thought that was interesting. Basically told CBS... Yeah. Don't share videos of me in that capacity again. Huh. I thought it was a cool thing to watch. It was really cool. It shows you. I, I mean, I agree with you, but he did not. He did not agree with you. Do you think it was because of kind of the demonstrative deal where he threw his arm out, or it's just like, hey, this story isn't me. Let my voice tell the story, but not. Wonder what it was. It seemed I mean, genuine. It, it seemed true. Like, and I, I don't know Kevin Harlan. He doesn't know me either. But it, it seemed like, based on, and you can uh, read them and, and judge for yourself, of course. But it, it struck me as he he means it. Like, hey, I'm just the announcer. Furman won the game. Talk about how cool that is for those kids that play for a school that hadn't been to the tournament in 43 years. You know, hmm. not me. I just called the shot. But. It's funny. I don't think he had to stop Van Gundy from talking. Stan was in shock. Did you see his face watching that? <laughs> the coach in him was probably just like his his organs were just shriveling up on the inside. Like this is the <laughs> like I can't speak because of, how could you do that? You had a timeout. Yeah. All right. So here are the here are the quotes. The the call that Harlan had was: Did we just see what we think we just saw? He was on Richard Deitch's sports media podcast and said that he begged CBS not to share the video, went on to say, kind of embarrassed by it. I'm not comfortable with it. He said that his reaction was 110% organic, said CBS showed him the clip during a production meeting, but despite his concerns, they decided to release it, said he has not watched it since, and he said, quote, I don't know that I'm glad that they caught our expression, but I'm glad the game was on the air. I think I'd join a chorus of other announcers who do not like the camera, explain that his broadcast booth is his personal space and that there are some things you just don't want to see, and adds that the video takes away from the true star of the broadcast, the student-athletes. He did go on to say, I understand why CBS would want to use that, and I guess I trust my bosses more than I trust myself in this situation at the same time, if they asked me my preference, I would have said, please don't put that up there, and I still feel the same way, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I guess that... I mean, it does sound very genuine. 
Kevin Harlan's an incredibly accomplished announcer. I would tell him, though, yeah. hey, buddy, it's 2023. Everybody's got a camera on them. Just, yeah. get, just get yeah. used to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was, uh, I wonder if we get one of those moments tonight. And that's kind of the beauty of it, right? You don't know. You, you never that's know exactly what's coming. What so, say, you have yeah. to watch. FAU hitting a buzzer beater to beat Tennessee would... Would easily give us that kind of moment, yeah. I mean, I hope Elon didn't fire all of his engineers because that really would crash his website if if FAU beats beats Tennessee tonight. <laughs> uh, let's see, what who we've got? Ian Eagle, Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, Stan Van Gundy, uh, Van Gundy are in Vegas, so they've got Arkansas, UConn, and Gonzaga, UCLA. And you've got Brian Anderson, Jim Jackson, Allie LaForce in New York doing Michigan State, Kansas State, and FAU Tennessee. If I said to you one of these four games tonight will have a buzzer beater, will have a, a sequence at the end of the game where it is determined on the final possession, which of the four games would you guess that that would occur in? Michigan State, Kansas State, Arkansas, UConn, FAU, Tennessee, or Gonzaga, UCLA? Arkansas. I kind Arkansas, of agree. And, yeah. and, and, and having that, so that'd be in Vegas. Hmm. Oh, you can see the actual reaction from everybody who was just at the sports book. They had bet the wrong way. That feels like that could be a classic. It should be a good game, yeah. Could be a really good one. All right. We got one minute before the break. In terms of your level of interest in these four games tonight, rank them one through four. One through four. Arkansas, Tennessee, okay. Michigan State, and what's the FAU? Uh, who are they playing? No, playing Tennessee. FAU, Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, what's the other game? Gonzaga, I know UCLA. it's last because honestly, I mean that's probably the best overall game, but I have the least interest in it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I think I'd go Arkansas, UConn one, Gonzaga, UCLA two, Michigan State, Kansas State three, and FAU, Tennessee four. I just that's how I would. Yeah. I don't know. I just I don't foresee that FAU upset over Tennessee. This is the point in the tournament where Cinderella realizes the shoe doesn't fit. <laughs> it's like, I got it in there, but I can't walk another step in yeah. this thing. It's just too tight. Just too tight. David Cobb from CBSSports.com will join us. We'll talk with him about these four matchups when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Tweets 
16 coming up tonight and tomorrow night. So let's bring somebody in who's been covering college basketball all season long at CBS Sports. David Cobb joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. David, it's been a little while. We took a little bit of a break after football season. Great to catch up with you again. Uh, this is a fun weekend, right? We, we get the Sweet 16, so four games tonight, four games tomorrow, and then uh, people trying to punch a ticket to the Final Four on, on Saturday and Sunday. It's a, a cool weekend for college basketball. We were talking before the break about we, we listened to a, a call of Gus Johnson, 2006, UCLA-Gonzaga, you know, that incredible game. Um, which of these four games tonight has the chance to deliver one of those moments that lives on for a really, really long time at the end? I mean, it's got to be UCLA-Gonzaga because the game you mentioned, obviously a classic, but two years ago in that COVID bubble when they did the tournament all in Indiana, Jalen Suggs hit a almost half-court buzzer beater for Gonzaga to beat UCLA in what I think is one of the best NCAA tournament games of all time. It lost some of its luster since Gonzaga didn't go on to win the national title, but a couple of the the key players from those teams two years ago are back tonight, uh, which should make for, well, I I ranked uh, the eight Sweet 16 games in terms of watchability, most compelling, whatever, and and I have UCLA-Gonzaga at the top of that list. Okay, so so give me just the four tonight. We won't include tomorrow night's games. We did that ourselves just a second ago. In terms of most interest for you, one through four tonight. Yeah, UCLA Gonzaga one. Then I went uh, Arkansas UConn mm-hmm. two. You've just got an Eric Musselman versus Dan Hurley coaching battle here. It's another one of those where. Like Fran McCaffrey versus Bruce Pearl in the first round, you put the over-under on technicals at one and a half. Um, you put the the over-under on um, angry suit jacket throws at around one and a half, although Musk probably won't be wearing a suit. He may not even be wearing a shirt. Uh, so the coaching battle is particularly <laughs> compelling in, in Arkansas-UConn, but the contrast in the way they play is, is pretty phenomenal as well. And then uh, the other one I had pretty high on my ranking, Kansas State, Michigan State. Tom Izzo, legend, versus first-year coach, maybe national coach of the year, in Jerome Tang. New York City guards, Tyson Walker for, for Michigan State, Marquise Noel for Kansas State, dueling it out in the garden. That's pretty awesome. And then, honestly, the last game on my on my list for tonight is, is Tennessee FAU, which might surprise some people who know that you know, I used to cover Tennessee. Uh, we'll see what that one provides us, but it may not be pretty, I'll say that. Isn't the story on Noel, he's from Queens but has never played a game in Madison Square Garden, so he's kind of getting to go back home for the NCAA tournament and play in the Mecca? Yeah, and and the dude started his career out at at Little Rock, uh, you know, so he was overlooked, undersized. I also saw the other day where he hasn't been home in like three years. Apparently this is going to be the first time he's been back home in, in, in three years. He got COVID and... I'm sure it's not easy to get from Manhattan, Kansas to Manhattan. Uh, so that's an interesting subplot in and of itself. But that dude is a baller. Like if you didn't see him play against Kentucky or you haven't seen him play all year, I mean, we're talking about a five foot seven guard who can completely control the game and the type of guy who can put a team on his back. Now he's got to get some help from Keontae Johnson tonight at K State if they are going to beat Michigan State and outduel Tom Izzo. But 
Kansas State's been sneaky good all year, and they're getting better defensively too, which is what you need to survive and advance this time of year. You mentioned Keontae Johnson, and that's just such a cool story. I mean, we, we weren't sure we would ever see him on a basketball floor again after the collapse on the floor in Florida when he was playing for the Gators and, and Mike White when he was there. I guess he's out for the rest of that year, ends up transferring, goes to Kansas State. And then if you rewind to the early part of this basketball season, you were reminded of the athlete that he is on a a couple of games in a row where he was on the receiving end of alley-oops that kind of reminded you of like of of Grant Hill at Duke back in the early 90s. I mean, just like go up and grab it from nowhere, and then he's just killing it. That's a cool story. Yeah, he's a potential NBA guy too. 6'5", physical can guard multiple positions, can shoot from the outside, uh, strong enough to get into the paint and score in the paint. A guy who we thought might never play college basketball or basketball anywhere uh, again after what happened to him at Florida. Even when he committed to K-State super, super late in this transfer cycle of 2022, still wasn't totally sure, is this Keontae from Florida or is this a version of Keontae that is hampered by health issues that – has taken two years off from major college yeah. basketball that may not quite be the same. Well, he, he answered it. He is the same uh, and has been one of the best players in the sport this year. So to see him get to this big stage that, frankly, he never got to at Florida is pretty cool at this point in his career. All right, so all of these games are five-point spreads or less, but I'd love for us to, to spend a couple of minutes on Arkansas-UConn. But I think I think this, for me, of the four games tonight, that's the one that I'm most interested in. Uh, you're talking about two incredibly passionate fan bases. They're playing this one in Vegas. Razorbacks are getting four points in this game. Ricky Council is their scoring leader. Anthony Black has been incredible. Nick Smith has been kind of pushed to the side for the Razorbacks, and it's caused Arkansas to be a better, a more cohesive team. What do you make of the Razorbacks' chance tonight, uh, chances tonight against UConn? What, what's the key? Well, it- I, they've got to hit some outside shots, right? Uh, yeah. And they got to turn UConn over. I mean, that's what Arkansas thrives on is is getting turnovers, scoring in transition, speeding the other team up. I mean, Dewan Harris never really looked comfortable in the second half for Kansas handling the ball in that in that second round game. But Arkansas is one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country, which should honestly terrify anybody who they play at this point in the season because the fact that they've made it this far when they can't mm. throw the ball in the ocean from beyond the arc. What happens if they suddenly do start hitting shots from the outside? Because they've got some guys who can do it. I think Anthony Black can hit threes. I know Nick Smith can. He's an ultra-talented offensive player, uh, Ricky Council, Devo Davis. You just need one, uh, maybe one and a half of those guys to, uh, to start making some threes, and all of a sudden uh, the, the opponent closes out more aggressively, and those guys are super athletic, super quick, drive to the basket, uh, and can score for you. So that's the key to Arkansas sustaining this run is can they get seven or eight? I don't even need 12 threes from Arkansas. I just need seven or eight, which is above their season average. Not spectacular, but enough with the way they play uh, to give them that offensive edge to hang around with a team like UConn. Am I crazy if I say Devo Davis is the most important player for Arkansas? Yeah, tonight I think so because he's actually been through these battles. He's been to the Elite Eight with Mutz. You you go and look and it's like, oh, everyone's going to make a big deal tonight about this would be Eric Musselman's third straight Elite Eight appearance. And, yes, that's true. But go look at the roster. How many of these guys uh, were a part of either of those teams? Very few. Devo Davis is that guy who's been in this moment 
before on a roster full of freshmen and transfers, I think having that that leader and that guy who's playing really well, uh, who's been in those situations before, is pretty important. Visiting with David Cobb from CBS Sports, got just a couple of minutes left. I'm looking at this Tennessee game, and I see Tennessee is a five-point favorite. And I feel like that's just begging me to grab that number. And you're like, I mean, it's Tennessee with a chance to get to the Elite Eight against FAU, which is a great story, but these two teams shouldn't be on the same level. Why should Tennessee be concerned tonight? Yeah, I think Florida Atlantic can do to Tennessee what Missouri did to Tennessee. Missouri beat Tennessee twice this year. They got the game way higher scoring than Tennessee prefers. Uh, they they got hot from beyond the arc. They sped the game up, and Tennessee just couldn't outscore Missouri. Uh, and and that's what Florida Atlantic is going to try to do to Tennessee, and that that should scare Tennessee. Yes, Tennessee is bigger. Yes, Tennessee is more physical, but. You go and watch the way Florida Atlantic played against Memphis with a size disadvantage. They still rebounded the ball really well. We saw with Fairleigh Dickinson that that size doesn't necessarily dictate your ability on the boards. And so Tennessee might think that it has some physical superiority in this game, and it does, but that doesn't automatically translate to dominating the class. So Tennessee needs to slow this game down, drag it into the mud, so to speak, and hopefully get a good whistle or else uh, Florida Atlantic's got a real shot here. Last thing, we've only got uh, like 30 seconds left. A quick peek ahead to tomorrow night with Alabama and San Diego State. Should the Crimson Tide be worried? I don't think so. We saw one game this season that maybe you think, you know, if Alabama plays like it did against Oklahoma when it lost by 24 two months ago now, yeah, then you can be worried. But the fact is they are not going to be that bad offensively and that bad defensively in the same game on this stage. San Diego State just does not have the firepower to keep up with Bama because Bama can beat you in so many different ways with so many different guys. They might be trailing at the half, but they'll figure it out if they are. You lay in the seven and a half in that one? No, because San Diego State's going to make that game slow. So I'm thinking about like a 74 to 67 final. Mm. So yeah, maybe lean towards San Diego State against the spread, but they're not going to be able to in in the long run score with Alabama, I don't think. David, great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Thanks. David Cobb from CBSSports.com. You can read his work there. Great guy, great writer, and uh, good insight into these matchups tonight in too. college basketball. So, oh, yeah. You're the dog barking in the background there at the yeah, end? Yeah, right before we went on, the uh, you could see the little thing in the background. Just the ears uh, popping up from behind the couch is all we could see. I was hoping he would stay there the whole time, or she. Uh, but... Uh, Got up at some point. We didn't get that visual, which would have been great. David joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be right back. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Brad in Burnsville on the ceasefire text line. Man, Arkansas is going to get UConn. I believe by nine to twelve points. And I know UConn is good, but Arkansas is so much better, and they are more prepped for it. Maybe there is an argument to be made 
that UConn has the single best win of the entire season in all of college basketball. They beat Alabama in Birmingham. So neutral but not neutral. Game was at Legacy Arena. It was part of that. I think Auburn and Alabama both played there on the same day, or that's what they've done in the past. But UConn won that game, and it was not a fluke. I mean, it was it was just straight up Huskies won it. Now, that that's a one-off, but UConn's been good this year. At 27-8, and eight, they're a four seed. Let's see, that win against Alabama, if I remember correctly, that was in the 90s. Is that, like, not happened in 1990, but was played in the 90s. That game was, ooh, where was it? 82-67. No, it was not in the 90s. They didn't just beat Alabama. They beat them by 15. Yeah, but counterpoint, Arkansas leads the country a number of times their coach has taken his shirt off. So there's that. Can't argue with the numbers. Yeah. Cannot argue with sabermetrics. They never lie. That that by the way Analysis. for Alabama was before Javon Quinterly kind of got into the into the swing of things. Yeah. I mean he wasn't even really playing the six man role at that point. He was still trying to kind of figure it out relatively early in the season. But I don't know. I just say that to say UConn is a uh, that's a really good basketball team. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like I'm picking Arkansas to win that game, but or at least I think I am. You don't have much time to decide. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm waffling a little bit on that one, to be perfectly honest. Hey, man, it's a Sweet 16. There's no bad bets at this point. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you don't have lopsided spreads either. No. I mean, yeah. it, but something feels like FAU's going to get spanked tonight. You know, especially if you're only giving five with a supremely more talented team. With Tennessee, mm-hmm. only giving five, probably yeah, going to feel like a home game for them. Uh, maybe. I, mean, I think there'll be a good Tennessee crowd there. It's many times more than whatever Owls made the trip from Boca. Yes, that is that is a good point. Uh, it is. And look, I don't think FAU's pressure is going to bother Tennessee either. I mean, I think Vescovy is, you know, He's a pretty seasoned point guard. You would love to have Zakai Ziegler. Like I, I get that. Their backup point guard has been pretty good. We talked about that yesterday with uh, Pat Bradley. You know, he was kind of talking about the, the freshman that had stepped in and had played well, kind of big physical point guard as well. So, I mean, I like Tennessee's chances. I, I really do. And I'm, I'm pretty attracted to that five-point number that Tennessee is laying in, uh, in this ballgame. A couple of other messages. Here's one. Love the show, guys. More Blackberry Smoke, please. Uh, JT says, Blackberry Smoke is in Brandon tonight. Orky, he hopes to uh, see you there. That was... Oh, that was last night. No, that was five years ago. That was March 22nd of 2018. Hey, thanks for the message. Don't be a stranger. We hadn't heard from you in five years. And I saw them. So hopefully JT did see me because I saw them uh, that night. Almost five years is is locked into the show 
and it, Blackberry Smoke is is playing, he's going to talk about. He's it. Gonna, he's going to let us know. Yeah. Great band, by the way. You want to get his God. attention? A little more Blackberry Smoke. Uh, Very good. Yeah, man. That there. Oh, people. I wasn't even on the show is, then. Jeez. No, you weren't. People are going to think this is blasphemy, but Blackberry Smoke reminds me of a modern Skinner. And people think that's blasphemy, but There's my to gosh, that. they're good. Blackberry Smoke, one of the featured <laughs> bands at the Double Decker Arts Festival in Oxford last weekend in April. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow them on all of their social media platforms, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. You go to visitoxfordms.com. You can click on the events page or just scroll down to the Double Decker logo, and you can see the full music lineup, again, including Blackberry Smoke. Maybe JT will be making a uh, trip to Oxford yeah. at the end of April. And a congrats is in order to the headliner, Marcus King, a newlywed is Marcus King. Good for him. Well, good for him. Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah. The um, so so she's she's quite attractive, and you're kidding me. A rock star or I, whatever I know, right? musician has got a hot wife. What? And she, I guess, put on Instagram some of their wedding photos, and like the first comment was something about how she's very attractive, and and he he may not be categorized as that. And all their replies were like. You say that until you see him play guitar, and then it makes perfect sense. Like, I'm assuming she's taller than he is. Uh, they are uh, of similar height. Uh, with heels on, she's probably taller. Okay. Uh, we also got one more question. Who is on the call tomorrow night for the Ole Miss women's game? Pam Ward, Stephanie White, and Holly Rowe. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Man, oh, oh, stuff starting to bloom. Mid seventies, a little bit of breeze. Maybe upper seventy. Gonna be mid eighties tomorrow. Good time to get out to the Oaks course at uh, Dancing Rabbit later this month. Early next month, the um, Azaleas will be uh, opening or reopening again as they finish up some uh, some work that's happening on the course. You can book your tee time, plan your trip online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit, part of Pearl River Resort. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. Cspire.com. That's where you go for all things Cspire. Whether you need wireless services, business services, you're looking for prepaid, or maybe you want to check and see if gigabit internet fiber is available in your home through their fiber through the home program. It is absolutely spectacular. It is lightning fast. There is no downtime. They say like 99.99% 
So what is that, one one-thousandth of a percent of the time you might have an issue? Uh, it might even be better than that. Fiber to the home from C Spire. Learn more online at cspire.com. So, boys, let, let, let's get into a little bit of a football conversation. Talked about this at the top of the show. You hey, don't want to talk about TikTok like Dwayne wants us to? Uh, <laughs> not really. We love you, Dwayne. It's just I don't no. know about the goings-on at Capitol Hill is really, you know, with, with a Chinese government app is really our thing. But in general, YouTube Shorts, YouTube's an American company, and at least it'll be your government farming your data. So use that instead. It's the same thing. But not owned by the Chinese government. There there you go, Dwayne. Your data is getting farmed regardless. Right, but at least it's, you know, your government as opposed to the, the Chinese government. Mm. You know, tomato, tomato, I suppose, but, you know. Dwayne likes my cap also. He says I need a black one like Gallo has. If I own a black, yeah, maybe I've got one or two black caps. It's a little dancing rabbit hat. It's the leaping rabbit logo, the dancing rabbit logo, I guess. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there it is. I own a black hat. Do you? It's got an orange SF on it. I yes. say you got an SF on it like that shirt you've got on today as well? Yes. Um. All right. So much fun when we do this. We're so far away. So far away. You and say yet, that, but then, boom, it'll be here. It'll get here in a hurry. So week one this year is August 26th through September 4th. It's going to be stretched out a little bit. Should, should we? Do we just want to take a national snapshot? Is that the best way to do it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Friday, August 25th. Hawaii. At Vanderbilt. A little return trip. I'll watch. I'll watch. Of course you will. Of course you will. If you're Vandy, would you rather just do two trips to Hawaii instead of having them come to your place? Yes. Like, we, we will we will be happy to do two more games. That is so, a long, hard trip. ESPN's site is jacked up. Those games will all be on that Saturday. Vanderbilt's playing Hawaii on the 26th. I don't know why it says Friday. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because that's week zero. Okay, that is, yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I didn't think yeah, that made a ton of sense. The worldwide leaders not leading in this category. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll give them a break. So, maybe I should go to a different one. Okay, so there we go. I went to a different format they had. That was on their scores page. All right, Saturday, August 26th, week zero games. Hawaii at Vandy. San Jose State at Southern Cal. Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin. I would love to hear. Just Somebody in the media needs to go to a pub near the stadium mm-hmm. and get everybody in there's take on the leprechaun mascot. <laughs> I just love to hear what they think about the college kid running around <laughs> acting mm. like a leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> I bet the term cultural appropriation won't be used no, in Ireland. It'll be words call, that... Call me crazy. They, they probably won't be able to air the words that they say, but it won't be those two. They won't like them. They won't like the leprechaun. They'll probably just make fun of it in a very funny Irish way. Yeah. I've noticed that most people around the world well. aren't offended, even when people make fun of them the way we are. Yeah. Uh, 
I was actually randomly thinking about this the other day. If you're an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan, how would you feel about the Rebels or the Bulldogs opening their season in Ireland in Week Zero against just whomever? Not a conference game. Non-conference game, just play it in Ireland. You have to be for it, right? You have to be for it. Even if you're not going to go, it's just no different than a... I mean, if you, you're not going to Dublin, I mean, where, you, where you're going to go to, you know, Baton Rouge or, 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 or Columbia or wherever, I mean, if you weren't going to go to the road game anyway, then who cares? Where what is. difference does it make? You're, you're going to watch it regardless. Exactly. You're going to watch the game on TV. It's fine. I'd Would love you to go? go to Dublin. Student athletes get a great uh, get a great experience. The fans that do go get a great experience that you can't get anywhere else. Why not? Would you try to go if State played? I think so, yeah. I think I would. Well, we can't cover that game? What are we? Aren't we professionals? Yeah, I hear you. I was going to say work-related. Send me over there? Yeah, I think I would try to go, yeah, because that's a a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. That might be a game my wife was actually like, yeah, let's go. That that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) But, sweetie, you've never been to a football game before. (laughs) You didn't want to go with me to Tuscaloosa and Auburn all those times. What's going on now? Yeah. Tuscaloosa, Auburn, Dublin, same thing. Who, who would who would be attractive as an opponent for that game? And don't say Notre Dame. I mean, obviously Notre Dame would be attractive. Right. I wouldn't want to play Notre Dame in Ireland. Like if, no, if Ole like Miss was playing Notre Dame, I would want a home and home with Notre Dame. Like I want to go yeah, to South yeah. Bend and I want them to come to Oxford. So you want to win the game, right? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, right. So like they're gonna have a scoreboard, right? So it's got to be Boston somebody, College. Yeah, somebody like that. Or maybe like a Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech would what be about Virginia? Virginia? An ACC team. Yeah. Virginia also. Yeah. And a, a mid-tier ACC team. I'm in. Yeah. North Carolina. be fun. Somebody from the Pac-12? Whatever's left of it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, who are we getting talking about? Colorado? I don't know. Oregon State. Arizona. I mean, State's already playing Arizona and Arizona State in the next few years, and Washington State in about a decade. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we kind of fell off in the ditch there. UMass, New Mexico State, Ohio, San Diego State, UTEP, Jacksonville State, FIU, and Louisiana Tech. I know, hey, Dad, you're going to watch them all because you've been with. It's a fine slate of games. I'm I'm just going to be honest. Like, I'll watch some of Hawaii and Vanderbilt. I might watch a little bit of Southern Cal just because. Yeah, he wants to Caleb Williams. I'll watch some of Navy Notre Dame. Those other four, yeah, I'm just not touching them. Do we have to start trying to find a week zero marquee matchup? Do they need to start scheduling for that? Give us one great game week. Week zero becoming week one. Well, then it's week one at that point. It's not week zero anymore. I understand. So I'm just saying if we're going to continue this particular format, if we're going to do this format, though, we need to have one great game that everybody's fired up for. It's the third. They're still focused on the Thursday. The opening Thursday is like their big welcome to college football day. So here's your opening Thursday night, August 31st. I actually got to do one of these games last year, which was cool. It was uh, it was the UCF game. Down in you gave Orlando. me a shout out in that game. Oh, I did. Forgot <laughs> about that. Forgot yeah, all about nice that. Uh, Nebraska at Minnesota, and and that's the game, right? You look at the rest of them, and they're just kind of eh. But we got. 
the we got a Big Ten game. We got the, the backyard game. brawl last year, which was unbelievable. Great game. Yeah. And there's a chance that this one's pretty spicy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That game was nuts. The atmosphere was crazy. It was intense on the field. I mean, it, it had everything. The perfect introduction to college football. And, and Pitt's coach played the nobody gave us a chance card after it also, didn't he? I love that. that that's my favorite Pat thing. Pat Narduzzi. He's like doing Your a one-on-one favorite. interview with – like he and, he and SVP were doing an interview, and SVP was like, man, I didn't say anything about your team, dude. Uh, Southern Utah and Arizona State, Elon Wake Forest, Missouri State, Kansas, Kent State at UCF, and maybe I'll get to go back to Orlando in August. Um, North Carolina A&T at UAB, Rhode Island at Georgia State, St. Francis at Western Okay. Um, now, but we know, we know, it's just not scheduled yet, but we know there will be an SEC game that night. And I'll be honest it, with you, it could very easily be Mississippi State. Isn't it Utah, Florida? On Thursday? I'm fairly certain so. they moved that game up. I'll look. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be right back. We'll talk with Ryan Brown coming up next. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know. It's the wrong Alabama song, Borky. Brian Brown was probably expecting Dixieland Delight. Brian Brown, our buddy from The Next Round. You can find them online at thenextroundlive.com. Podcast, video stream, live stream, all the stuff is there. Ryan is co-host of that show and is currently on the road from Birmingham to Louisville, Kentucky, where Alabama will play tomorrow night. Ryan, what's up, my man? I'm good, Richard. There is no wrong Alabama song. That was your error there. You can get by with any Alabama song. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I actually listen Have to you Dixie ever seen Land. them in concert? Did you ever see them? Yes. Yes. Yeah, but, a, uh, they do a really good concert. In Tupelo. I was so fired up when they played Cheap Seats. <laughs> the old baseball song. They're yeah. a really good concert. I've seen Alabama live, oh gosh, half a dozen times probably, and they put on a good show every time. Do they do like a uh, like a home show concert in Fort Payne ever? Anything like they that? They used to, you know, they used to do a thing called June Jam, which was a music festival in Fort Payne. It was out in a big field, and uh, as the uh, title will tell you, in the month of June. So it was, you know, of course, hot as ten hells in Alabama in June, and um, <laughs> people would pile. I mean, they would pack them in, man, and they would do a, a music festival, and they were the headliner. Obviously, they did that. I would guess for like twenty years. And discontinued it. There's a rumor that it's coming back. Um, you know, they lost one of the band members, uh, Jeff Cook has. So, you know, they wouldn't obviously have the original group there. But, you know, it'd be pretty cool to see them back singing again, I think. Yeah. It's like Woodstock in northeast Alabama. Absolutely. Woodstock with barbecue, basically, is what that turns out to be. Uh, how much barbecue is making its way north to uh, Louisville? What, what's this Alabama crowd going to look like at the uh, KFC Yum Center tomorrow night? Um, you know, it's hard to know. Alabama hasn't been in this position in quite a while. You know, uh, they've obviously 
made football trips, a lot of them. But uh, the Alabama basketball team hasn't been this deep when a crowd can attend. If you remember, the last time they were in the Sweet 16, it was in the COVID restriction, so it was a limited crowd in Indianapolis. So Alabama hasn't been in this situation in quite a while, going back to the Mark Godfrey days, in fact. So I, I don't know how to gauge it. It's a pretty fired-up fan base. They haven't seen this in a while. Um, I think a lot of people think this team can win the national championship. It's a pretty easy drive to Louisville. Of course, Alabama being the overall one got to pick their site, so they picked Birmingham and Louisville, as you would imagine. So it was a hand-picked for this. And then when you look at the other teams, you know, Princeton doesn't have much of a fan base. San Diego State, I don't think, is going to travel a ton of people to Louisville. Creighton should travel well, but I think it'll be predominantly Alabama and Creighton fans. Yeah, and, and, and certainly an easier trip for Alabama even than it is Creighton. So yeah. I mean, this, that's a big building, too, right? That's twenty, roughly 20,000, 20-ish thousand, maybe I, a touch bigger even, than that. Yeah, I think it's even north of 20. I think it's 24, 25,000 people at the KFC Yum Center, which I think is kind of the target. You know, if they don't do it in a football stadium, because a lot of people, you know, Birmingham had an NCAA regional for the first time in quite a while um, this past weekend, and a lot of people were already asking us, hey, could they get a regional final, a Sweet 16 and Elite Eight? And you know this, they're not going to go anything less than 20,000 seats for one of those. So Birmingham's kind of off the board for that on the men's side anyway. But, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the limit for one of these events is 22,000. And I think the Young Center is slightly north of that. I can't imagine – Louisville built a building that is much smaller than Rupp Arena for their team. I, I was going to say, whatever the capacity of Rupp yep. was at the time construction was, they probably went at least one over that. Uh, no doubt. So it, so, so it should be good. Um, th- there's so many storylines that go along with Alabama, so forgive me for starting with the low-hanging sure. fruit. I mean, the, the Brandon Miller story, just it, it continues and – you know, there's alternate reporting, and there's you know people owe an apology for how this was covered, and and but regardless of any of that, there's still just this weird thing that is hanging over Alabama that if they win a national championship, Alabama fans won't care, right? I mean, they'll they'll celebrate a title, but it's I don't know that you even call it an asterisk, but it's like you don't want a cloud over your first national championship if they were to win it all. Yeah, and there is that. I don't think there's any doubt. Now, Nate Oates was asked about that today in his media availability. Um, basically, not that same question, but, you know, basically, is this team having fun was the essential question. It was worded differently. And he said they are. And he said, look, you know, we still understand the gravity of the situation and the sadness that goes along with that. But this team is a very close team. They're having fun. They're having the time of their life was the way he put it. I would say today, Nate Oates, um, we know him pretty well. He's been on our show a million times. Uh, I've watched I, bits and pieces, if not all, of every news conference he's done over the last two months. And he looked more at ease and relaxed and less stressed today than he has in quite a while. And I would think some of that had to be, you know, they were out of Tuscaloosa, but they were just in Birmingham. They were out of Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. for three or four days. Now they're in Louisville, they hope, for three or four days. I, I think that's kind of what this team needed was to get on the road and get away from a lot of this. I guess there's something to that. You know, Ryan, that I think the way this is, I'm not speaking for you guys, but the way it is viewed locally is certainly different than the way it's viewed regionally or nationally. And my impression from people that I've talked to in and around the program is that the folks at Alabama 
like University of and athletics department feel like they've handled this really, really well. Like I've talked to people who have said there are high-ranking officials in the athletics department who like they're proud of themselves for how they have handled all mm-hmm. of this. And it's like everybody else goes, you, you might have done a master class on how not to handle a situation like this. So from where you sit, not in Tuscaloosa, but really close and covering this story as much as anybody has over the last couple of months, what do you make of the way that Alabama has handled it? Um, you know, I, I think there have been some obvious PR missteps that, you know, Nate Oates himself has had to clean up a couple of things he has said off the cuff. And then you had Nick Saban. Uh, saying something Monday night that a lot of people thought was a shot at uh, Nate Oates. And, you don't believe you know, that was an accident, do you? I, Richard, I, uh, and this is I'm in an absolute minority here, I don't believe it was a shot at Nate Oates. I don't think Nick Saban says most anything accidentally. I think Nate Oates, or excuse me, Nick Saban was trying to send a message to his team. I genuinely believe, you'll laugh out loud at this, and a lot of people do, I genuinely believe Nick Saban was unaware that Nate Oates had ever said it and had to apologize for it. I, I don't think people can appreciate the bubble this guy lives in until they've been around it and seen it. This guy is re- he's really unaware of things that are going on around him that don't involve football. And I am being as, as honest and genuine about that as I can. Um, I, I think he it's didn't funny realize you say that. Not not like ha ha funny, but yesterday we were talking about this. I was like, you got to remember, Nick Saban said he didn't know there was a presidential election going on. Maybe he doesn't exactly. know anything about the Brandon Miller story. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a bit of a stretch, but well, I know, I know he knows the Brandon Miller story exists. I, I, I don't, I honestly don't think he was aware that Nate Oates had said wrong place, wrong time, and had to apologize for it. Um, and and mm-hmm. I just do know that those two have a good relationship. It would have done Nick Saban absolutely. There was no reason for him to sideswipe a basketball coach. I mean, what sure. what good does that do, Nick Saban? And and if you believe it was an intentional shot at Nate Oates and Saban's powerful enough to do that, then it's hard to explain why he's going to great lengths now to say he really didn't intend it to be, and they did a PR photo shoot, you know, just yesterday. I mean, that's those two Those two don't go hand-in-hand. Hand. I think it was entirely a message to his team, not a some sort of bailed shot at NATO. we got two minutes left, and I know you're on the road. Sure. So give me a uh, – tell me if I'm off base on this. Is, is Javon Quinterly the most important player for Alabama's success tomorrow I, I, and moving forward in the tournament? I would actually – I think he's definitely in the conversation. I would probably, if you forced me to pick one, go Charles Bediaco. Okay. Because Bediaco has been giving Alabama on a fairly consistent basis now double-doubles. He is so good defensively as a shot eraser. So Alabama prides himself on their defense. If a guy gets past the guards – he can erase the shot, but what he really does is he gives Alabama an inside offensive presence that keeps you from just wholly selling out to defend the perimeter, and it opens up more three-point shots, which Alabama thrives on. So Quinterly is very, very important. I don't disagree with that, but if you made me pick a guy, I would say it's actually Charles Bediaco. You know, lost in all the stuff happening off the off the court with Nate Oates is maybe one of the best decisions that he's made where, I guess it was what, at the SEC tournament where he slid Quinterly back into the starting lineup after yep. having him as an incredible sixth man. I mean, that was it was kind of a stroke of genius and, and I guess a calculated move, but one that you, you're taking a little bit of a risk with for a guy that's been so good in his role. Yeah, certainly a gamble. I mean, you know, he, he was thriving in that sixth man role, but he has not missed a beat. 
He, he's just really good in the postseason. I don't know what it is, uh, but he is a marked player. Now, he got hurt at this point last year. He's only about a year removed from that ACL injury. Yeah. And a lot of people credit that, saying that that's kind of the full 100% recovery time is a full year. So that could have something to do with it, too. Safe travels. Great catching up. You guys have a big time in Louisville, and uh, all the best. All right, boys. Thank you all. Thanks, Ryan. That's Ryan Brown from the next round. Next round live on the Internet. If you want to listen, you can get podcasts and watch the whole deal. Uh, He's one of the good guys. Ryan Brown joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll continue with you after this in the Pearl River Resort studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Next round, based in Birmingham, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Check them out online at genteelapparel.com. You can uh, get their spring collection, which is now available. They've got great-looking new prints. I was uh, I had one of their new golf shirts on last night, and... Uh, both of my daughters independently were like, hey, Dad, is that a new shirt? I said, yes, it actually is. They're like, oh, I like it. That's cool. And Francis was very inquisitive about it. So um, the the cross-girl seal of approval on uh, on some of the new stuff, go to their website. You can see fresh prints right there on the front page of the website. You can shop online or at uh, one of their retailers, including Landry's on the Square in Oxford. So the next time you are in Oxford, be sure to stop by Landry's and check out the collection from Genteel. And don't forget, they've got the uh, their collegiate collection as well. Ole Miss stuff, Mississippi State stuff, Alabama, Auburn, Southern Miss, Missouri, Memphis, Texas A&M, Louisiana, and uh, more schools coming. It's the collegiate collection helping you look your best on game day. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So, we had to pause the schedule conversation. Mm-hmm. Two takes. One, the SEC should be embarrassed for their week one slate. It is horrible. Save us rest of college football because the Southeastern Conference is pathetic to start the season. And speaking of pathetic, Georgia's schedule is... I mean, you might as well just hand them the trophy again. I, I, I did this thing, and, and we'll get to it later. I, I tried to find the most difficult stretches in every SEC team's schedule. A stretch of games that is the most difficult on their schedule. Georgia's is basically like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Missouri, they, they go to Columbia, so that'll be tough. It is a joke what Georgia gets handed to them after winning consecutive national championships. In, in fairness to the Georgia Bulls. They were supposed to play Oklahoma this year. They were, and that got blown up. And then, and they got taken away. And I mean, you, you remember where State had to travel to UMass a few years ago because they had a late cancellation. I mean, when you get a late cancellation in college football for whatever reason, it is really difficult to put anybody of value on the schedule. 
So I will give them that little bit of uh, credit. Also, Borky was correct. Uh, Utah, Florida will be a Thursday night game, August thirty okay. first. However, that's right not likely to be stadium. the SEC. That's not likely no, to be, be the SEC game, right? Mm-hmm. So the SEC network will get a game. I will just go out on a limb and say Mississippi State, Southeast Louisiana, or Ole Miss Mercer could very easily be that game. I would think that Ole Miss would push back really, really hard against that. I'm sure they would, but, you know, everybody likes that 60 mil. Sometimes you just get told what to do. No, I'm with you. But there there are also some teams who And State would push back because that would be two Thursday games because you have the two Thursday home games because the Egg Bowl's in Starkville this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... Just, just the thought. You know what they're going to do? UMass at Auburn, so they can hype the heck out of Hugh Freeze's return to the SEC, as if that's my friend. You've nailed it. I will. I would put money that you're right. That's the one. Get Robbie Ashford showing off against UMass. Bring it to me. Ashford going to go for four hundred all purpose in that game, and then we'll hand him the Heisman, and then yeah, they'll play somebody. I feel like New Mexico, Texas A&M's got a chance to be there also. Hasn't Texas A&M played Could that be. Thursday night game a couple of times to start they the have. year? They have, and I bet you they, they might not get it this year. Maybe Tennessee not. was it last year. Tennessee, um, I think Akron. Mm, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, week one know. is not really what you want it to be. So, so here's some of the highlights from week one. South Carolina, North Carolina, in Charlotte. It's not bad. Not bad. Would love that game to be played in in home sites, but yeah. nice stadium. Yeah. Charlotte's cool. Yeah. It'll be half and half. Yeah. Uh, Big Ten conference game. Northwestern at Rutgers. If Northwestern could only get that game played in Dublin, they'd win. Or anywhere outside the continental United States. Yeah. It's like uh, Rio de Janeiro. It doesn't Toronto, matter. Are you available? Yeah. Uh, NC State at UConn. Ah, okay. I mean, UConn was bowl team last year. That Florida-Utah game is Jamar kind of one Jenga. of the highlights of the opening weekend. Yeah. Virginia-Tennessee in Nashville okay. at Nissan Stadium. When I saw Virginia-Tennessee, I kind of assumed that that was going to be like Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Playing that one in Nashville. That's a cool matchup. It's, it's a cool game. matchup until the ball kicks off. I, I know Hinden Hooker's gone, but I still think Tennessee's going to be pretty nasty. That'd be good, but Virginia's capable. They'll stay in the game for a little while. I'll tell you a place worth being, and there was some original talk that this might like open the football season. But it sounds like Utah, Florida will be there. Amon G. Carter Stadium on opening weekend. Oh, yeah. With TCU hosting... Colorado Buffalo. Yeah, Dion screwed that up, which is weird to blame him, but but apparently he was doing an interview where he said that they were going to be the first game of the season, and then because he said that, they were yeah, they're like, oh, dumb. we can't do it now? And I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, but sense. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that game um, that never yeah. would have even given it a second thought. Even with TCU having played in the college football national – well. Again, TCU they played. like had a logo on the scoreboard and like the end zone said Horn Frogs, but TCU didn't play in the national championship. You can't call they what they played. did playing football. They, they were a, a sacrificial lamb 
They 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 were the tackling dummies. The finals were so good. They were. Holy they, cow, were cow, they were great. Awesome. But no, I mean, people wouldn't think twice about that. But then you add prime time, and then you have his thirty transfers. You have. I mean, he's got the last two number one ranked defensive backs in the country on on both sides of his. How many points now. would Colorado have to be getting, Hey Dad, for you to take the Buffaloes in that game? Not a, a whole ton. If it's more than a touchdown, a dude. The early lines had it at like seventeen. Yeah, fourteen and a half. I probably you could probably get me to jump on. Okay. Uh, Southern Miss is hosting Alcorn State the opening weekend. So that's a cool in-state matchup. Ohio State at Indiana. Yeah, new quarterback. It's not like that's a tough place to play, but still, whoever is replacing C.J. Stroud is going to get his first taste of real game action in a road conference game. So so will that be big nude on Fox to start the year? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably Probably. So. A conference game? Ohio State With Ohio always State draws in numbers. It. Yeah. yeah, East yeah, Carolina at Michigan. If it was a year ago, I might tell you upset alert. Not that East Carolina was great; they were okay, but they had a fourth or fifth year quarterback who was the all time yardage leader in the American Conference in Holton Aylers. But he's gone, and I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. And I think Michigan's going to be pretty. The darn good. Um, West Virginia at Penn State opening weekend. That's not bad. And then how about Sunday night? LSU and Florida State in Orlando. Mm. Locked in. It was good in New Orleans last year. Your uh, yeah. your Monday night game from the ACC. You know, the, the slot that Florida State and Miami used to occupy? Yeah. Clemson at Duke. Duke was a good team last year. That's a good test for, for Clemson. Mike Elko, year two. That'll be mm-hmm. a home game for Clemson Eight in Club a different Nick state. Starts. Yeah, well. How many does Wallace Wade Stadium hold? Like 35,000? I think it's less than that. Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina, capacity forty thousand oh, wow. four. Yeah, doesn't look that big. Yeah, well, maybe they've upgraded a little bit. Jackie Sherrill <laughs> would love it. It's all sideline to sideline seating. Yeah, one of the end zones is bold now. Oh, is it? Oh, well, never mind. Yeah, yeah. There's a bold end zone. They've done some upgrades to it. So, anyway. Um, a little look, bit to be desired there. Again, we the will SEC be so be excited that it's back. We will be so excited that it's back. But it's. Uh, I mean, I I, can't, I for one cannot wait to count down to Mercer in Southeast Louisiana. Now, I I know those games are important. Mercer Athletics needs that. What is it, five, six, oh, seven hundred thousand dollar check? Uh, but yeah, the league should not allow this to be their opening weekend. Spread those games out like the Big Ten does, man. Give us Texas A and M, Missouri, or something in Week One. You know, not a marquee game, but give us some conference games. Give us some juice. To week start two's the a little better. Texas at Alabama, A and M at Miami, 
Ole Miss at Tulane, Auburn at Cal, Arizona at Mississippi State, Vandy at Wake Forest. Sorry, Borky. Furman at South Carolina. Go Dens, right? Something like that. We'll be back. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Got a message on the ceasefire text line asking if we had heard anything about baseball scheduling for Ole Miss tomorrow. And the answer to that is no. I, as I understand it, and I feel like this is a moving target, but as I understand it based on conversations I had last week, the conference will not allow you to change a game time or postpone before the day of the game, like to start a series. I, I don't know that for 100% certainty, but... I'm pretty sure that's wrong, just because I, th- I thought I saw Leah Van tweet that they had already moved first pitch for LSU uh, tomorrow. Do I have the wrong option? Yeah, Friday's game that? against Arkansas has been moved to a noon start due to inclement weather. That That's changing the time. I'm talking about pushing the game... A day, like if you're if you're going to move okay. the game okay. to the next day to play a doubleheader, so it's confusing. If you look at weather.com, you see that tomorrow Oxford is like high of 84 and partly cloudy. Yeah, but if you dig a little bit deeper and you look into the evening portion of the forecast, the Friday night forecast, there is a 100 percent chance of rain and thunderstorms with rain of up to an inch. There apparently is a storm front that is moving through. And they're predicting the possibility for severe weather that goes along with it. Now, Saturday's forecast is great. Sunday's pretty good. Um, so you said LSU Arkansas is at noon tomorrow? That's what uh, Leah Van tweeted, yes. Okay. Wow. I mean, noon would be a great time for Ole Miss and Florida to play game one tomorrow. That would hurt your crowd, yeah. obviously. But if you're just trying to play it three straight days, then then you get the deal. Morky, are you still confused on the forecast? You're not seeing it? I'm seeing it. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. The dramatic shift. Yeah, I know. I know, because it goes from spectacular to yeesh. Somebody says, what did State do a few weeks ago when they did the doubleheader on Saturday? I don't remember. But the only reason that I said that was last week we had they coaches. announced it's Friday evening. I know that. Yeah, there might yeah. be two on Saturday looking at this thing. So I was on a coach's call with Georgia Scott Strickland last Thursday before their Friday, Saturday, Sunday series began. Or no, it was actually Friday morning. And he said 
we couldn't announce it until today, and we're still waiting to get some information. Like, they wanted to go ahead and say on Thursday that they were going to play a doubleheader, but they were kind of waiting to see what the forecast turned into. And they ended up playing two on Saturday and one on Sunday. Anyway. Uh, somebody suggesting that we should call Lane Burroughs for his thoughts on making <laughs> sure the field is ready. That that man, I, you know, I bet he's still talking about tarps. Yeah. I bet, I, again, uh, tarps are lightning preventative. It's Yeah. Here we go. we got another well, one. Just let Ole Miss be leading after five. Dark. It's okay. Just ask Lane Burroughs. Hey, you don't have – yeah. It, you you can even be losing as long as you're leading after five. You can be – yeah. You can be losing in the sixth as long as you're leading after five. If you don't complete the sixth. If you – well, it's, it's, it's iffy, you know. It's a, yeah. a crapshoot. Starkville forecast similar where as the day mm-hmm. goes along it gets worse or they're going to have time to play tomorrow night. I think it's, it's kind of similar, so. Yeah. We'll see. For all your yeah, severe weather information, tune in to Super Talk. We will keep you up to date. Yeah, we will. Or for all your college baseball information. Either way. We will do our best. So, that was like a long, winding answer to the question, do we know anything about scheduling for Ole Miss tomorrow? Is no. Gonna be, no, we don't uh, yet. But we will do our best to keep you up to date tomorrow throughout the uh, throughout the course of the day. Doubleheaders should be more Twitters. common, honestly. Uh, especially for like well, it's, they used they to be. Used to be. Man, it's, it's, I mean, there there's just so. nothing like grabbing a thirty rack and and sitting out in the outfield oh, watching eighteen innings of baseball in a Mississippi March eighty degree afternoon. I, I mean, tell me what is better than that in terms of sports viewership this time of year. You stretch your legs, you know. Don't wear a shirt. Get a little tan. Pound some beer. Watch baseball. I'm just going to tell you. Don't wear a shirt. I can't, yeah, can I just tell you that, that the list of things ahead of drinking thirty beers for me is is long. Yeah, it's because you're a rookie. Much rather drink a full bottle of bourbon. That guy. No, you can't no. drink bourbon at a baseball game. <laughs> no, no to it's baseball all water. The what are you talking about? What do you mean you can't drink base not, at a baseball not game? Like it's baseball that. water. Five o'clock hour. People who College throw their beer fix. in the air. None of y'all know how to drink. Coming up next when we come back at the Pearl River Resort Studio. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Only four hours left in the work week for Sports Talk Mississippi. Got the final hour on this Thursday, and then a full show for you tomorrow, and then we'll ease right on into the weekend. But who's counting? Well, not me, because there's more than four hours of work. Well, I'm talking about the show. Right, but 
Oh, just, 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 just go with it. Just Come go on, with man. it. For once in your life. Well, I'm actually, just operating reality here. <sighs> I don't there like is an quiet. implication there that he's the only one that works, I know. I didn't say that. That's what is happening. That's well, what's happening it's here. It's an implication. It's an implication. Because of the implication. But I didn't say that. If I wanted to be like Nick Saban, I would... You know, just be more direct and then apologize later. Mm. Yeah, well. There you go. And, and you know what's funny about that, that Nick Saban apologized? What did he apologize for? What's he sorry about? He's sorry for what he said because he likes Nate Oates. He, he's sorry he that his bad. comments were misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, his comments were spot no. on. Spot no, on. But he... I, He's sorry know. that there was a cons- misconception. And if anybody, if and at, maybe he wasn't, I, Nate, Nate Oates knows what he what he did and what he's doing. Brandon Miller's going to help him win a championship, so there's no shame in, in in his game there. But oh, I'm sorry if my comments offended somebody that said something really stupid. Like, what are you apologizing for? What Nick Saban said was spot on. He nailed it. Also, the kid was driving 140 miles an hour, so he didn't really have a choice but to suspend him when he's, again, evading police driving that fast with a weapon and, what is it, eight footballs worth of marijuana in his car? It's easy to suspend that guy, but still, everything he said was spot on. Um, Nick Saban says that his... By the way, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them, everything that's going on, at PearlRiverResort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Hey, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879. Here we go. What? Mississippi State has moved first pitch to 5 p.m. on uh, Friday. So. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the ceasefire text line. If you would like to join us and be a part of the conversation, glad we got that in right there, right then. Yeah. And you get that breaking news out there. Good to know. It's breaking news. Uh, for the rest of the show, let's just uh, put in random thoughts while Richard's in the middle of something. Yeah, we'll just go middle of the middle of a sentence so, and just like yeah. I gotta get. So the way I get a point oh, in. Yeah. Yeah. You guys listen to Wave on Wave lately? Great, great too. Not lately. Not lately. Great too. Hey, let's jump into the college football fix and we'll get back to Nick Saban and the apology. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Time is running out in truck month. F-Series, best-selling trucks in America for 46 straight years. Get behind the wheel of an F-150 or the all-new Ford Super Duty. If you're looking for a pickup, maybe it's a Ranger or a Maverick. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So Nick Saban denied earlier today sending a not-so-subtle message to Crimson Tide basketball coach Nate Oates while discussing a suspension for freshman defensive back Tony Mitchell. He appeared to reference Oates' handling of star freshman Brandon Miller, who is connected to the fatal shooting in Tuscaloosa from January when he was talking about Mitchell. Saban today said, There's nothing to clarify. 
I don't watch basketball coaches' press conferences. How many years have I been coaching? Never watch one. Never listen to what other people say. That was strictly about our program and what we do. It has nothing to do with anybody else. I don't make any comments about anybody else. We hope the basketball team does really, really well. I, you look, call me naive if you want me to, if you want to. I believe him. I don't. I believe Nick Saban. There. Now, when he says he doesn't make comments about anybody else, well, that's not entirely true. He made comments about Jimbo last year. And then Im- apologize for them. And immediately walks them sure back. Did. We we have precedence for this. We, I mean, I, I, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, but we have precedent for Nick Saban getting behind a microphone and calling out somebody else and then realizing, oh, shoot, uh, need to walk that back. That that happened this time a little bit later than this. L- last year, though. It was in the summer. He got behind a microphone and said things about Jimbo Fisher, which, by the way, were spot on. He told the truth. Yeah, he had nothing to apologize for there. I understand why he – and he didn't really apologize here. He just said, "There's nothing to clarify. I wasn't talking about anybody else." No, he. And, and I actually love him. I don't watch basketball coaches press conferences. Yeah, he just is employed by the University of Alabama. Works every day with people at the University of Alabama, and the University of Alabama was heavily, heavily talked about by literally everybody because their coach said the player was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he just so happened to use that exact phrase that the coach said that everybody was talking about on his same campus. Oh, man. Morrill's just out out to get uh, just coincidences. That's all that was. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, whatever. He was right, though. He was right it about Jimbo. He was right about this. Quote, though. He said wrong place, wrong time. Nate Oates said wrong spot, wrong time. I know I'm picking nits, whatever, I, I just look. Why would Nick Saban take a shot at a guy that he likes in his own department? I mean, if this had happened at Texas A and M or at LSU, and he had used the exact phrasing, that would make sense. It just doesn't make sense that he would say that about a coworker. Maybe he forgot to to put on a filter. Maybe he doesn't like Nate Oates. He might not. Or he might like Nate Oates, but really doesn't like how he handled that. Thought that it was embarrassing. And and dropped his filter for a second and said that because Nate Oates saying wrong place, wrong time was ridiculous. And then realized, oh, shoot. Shouldn't have said that. You can love somebody and, and not like how they handle things. Uh, Nate Oates did talk to reporters today. And he says, Saban and I talked that night. I didn't take it that way at all. I've got a ton of respect for Coach. I said in my opening press conference when I got hired at Alabama that he may be the best coach for team sports in modern sports history. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I just I think this is something that's like a made-up controversy that is just not controversial between those two guys. Is it a made-up controversy or because... Nate did said did say what he did. I mean, it's not like this got pulled out of thin air. The, the the phrases were directly aligned. I mean, it's not like people wondering where did that come from. No, is manufactured. I'm, I'm, not, 
I'm not. Yeah, when I first saw it and heard it, I raised my eyebrows. But also, as we've continued to hear from people, and you hear what Nick Saban says, you hear what Ryan Brown told us, and uh, I don't know. I just, I don't think he's necessarily going after. Not necessarily. I don't think he's going after Nate Oates. Like even if he doesn't like the way that he handled it, it doesn't really seem like that Nick Saban style to go after somebody within his own athletics department who's about to play their biggest game of the season. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. Somebody said Saban's taking attention off of Miller. People are now talking about him instead. Yeah, I don't know. Kyle says, even though you're exactly right, Borky, people always will defend the king. Why would I be defending Nick Saban? I'm not trying to defend Nick Saban. I just don't think it was malicious. Well, In college football media, this doesn't apply to you because we've been on the same page about things that he said in the past, but college football media will, no matter what, defend everything he says and does and thinks. Always. It happens all the time. Regardless of what he says or what it's about. I mean, uh, people just lapped up his whole... uh, I want this to change because competitive imbalance thing. They just lap that up. I mean, it just a guy that has dominated college football for so long in a sport that is filled with shady people that get players by misleading them. That's recruitment. Recruiting is misleading players. That's what they do. It's part of the deal. If you're going to be that successful, you got to be a savage. You got to be a killer. And, but when he says things, people just, oh, man, he's just speaking the truth out here. He's so genuine in it. That that bothers me. Football, okay. football coaches are, are not particularly honest people. They're like politicians. They all have agendas. Think about that before you just, not you, but think about that first before you eat it up. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Opening tip for first Sweet 16 game, Michigan State and Kansas State from the Garden in Manhattan. Madison Square Garden. It'll be great. That'll be great. Um, Porky, you had laid a different idea other than Nick Saban out for the college football fix. We can uh, just continue that right here. Looking at difficult stretches for SEC football teams. Yes? Yeah, inspired by a conversation we had this morning where Mississippi State has a pretty brutal stretch of a bad scheduling break when you consider where the games are played and who they're played against. 
and that's going to South Carolina, going to Fayetteville, having Alabama and LSU. Those four games in a five-game stretch. They get a break with Western Michigan, and I believe they're buying there as well. But still, that, that stretch of games is brutal because it's the West champion coming to your place and Alabama coming to your place, and then you have to go to the cra- – I was about to say Cracker Jack box, the, the, the firecracker box, if that's an expression, in Columbia, South Carolina – you know the fans are jet. That's a really tough place to play football, and people are really high on them. And Fayetteville is always tough. So then I expanded that search and looked at the rest of the SEC. We can save Georgia. Their schedule doesn't have a single difficult stretch in it. But looking at the rest of the league's most difficult stretches and, and who had the who got the worst break in the league with their schedule and who got the best break, spoiler, it's Georgia, but... The other 13, who has the worst, who has the best? And I kind of picked one stretch for each team in the league. So for Georgia, who you were talking about, you think their most difficult stretch is late October, early November when they play Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, and they go to Tennessee? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess that's the most difficult stretch of consecutive games is. Again, it's not a very difficult schedule for them. what, What about for Mississippi State? When you look at Mississippi State's schedule, what do you think is the most difficult four-game stretch for the Bulldogs? Obviously, you know the the one that Borky is bringing up because it has Western Michigan in there, kind of you know, kind of you know, dilutes the water a little bit for them. So I don't I don't know if that's it. Although obviously, you know, LSU and Alabama in any stretch is is probably going to be in there. But then your next four after that are at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at, at I'm sorry, at Arkansas, at Auburn, uh, Kentucky at home, and then at College Station for Texas A&M. So that's three out of four on the road there. I think it's funny that State only plays four road games this year, and yet they still had a three out of four on the road stretch. Um, that's probably it for me. State was two and one in that stretch uh, two seasons ago when they, they played those games on the road. Actually, I guess you, you could say three and one because they beat Kentucky at home. Um, but anytime you got to go on the road in the SEC and you got to do it three out of four weeks, that's that, that that's a difficult stretch. Yeah, I mean that's that's Jordan Hare, and uh, look, make your jokes about Hugh Freeze. I do all the time, but uh, you know he can coach teams up and win ball games. Uh, he, he can certainly do that. The aforementioned Fayetteville is a tough place to play, and College Station, albeit less intimidating than other hundred thousand seat stadiums, is still hundred thousand people. It's still on the road. road. It's still on the road. You know, so like I said, anytime you're on the road, that that's going to be the stretch that you have to to, to, to circle, and uh, we'll see how it goes for state this year. So, at Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky, at Texas A and M. Yeah, for me, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to say three game stretch, you probably go, about to just go, say that. Yeah, yeah. LSU, if you said three game stretch, South I would go South Carolina yeah. on the road. But if you're looking for a four game stretch, I, I don't. Know, maybe maybe it doesn't matter. You can say just stretch of games. I think the most yeah. difficult window is that three week window for Mississippi State, where they host LSU, go to South Carolina, and host Alabama. But if you're looking for four specifically, three out of four on the road, that's and that's you could hard. you could go that's back hard in the SEC. go back another week with that with that LSU thing and go to you know say they got to play Arizona at home Arizona's probably going to be improved again this year so we'll see for Ole Miss it's it's got to be right in the middle 
right? I mean, you, you first three games, Ole Miss should win. Will they? Oh, they got to go play them. They got to go play well. All of those things. You get Mercer. That's kind of a layup in week one. Tulane, I think, will look different than they looked a year ago. But Michael Pratt is back at quarterback in New Orleans. And that'll be a. I'm actually really interested to see what that environment is going to look like. Yulman Stadium is is thirty thousand seats, so there's a limit to how intimidating thirty thousand can be. And Ole Miss fans have traditionally traveled quite well to New Orleans, but it's going to be harder for Ole Miss fans to get tickets for this game in a small stadium than it is against a bad Tulane team in the Superdome. This is going to be game two coming off a season in which they won at the Cotton Bowl. I mean, I fully expect it to be sold out. So, but but still, yeah, that's a game that Ole Miss should win. Will they? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. They should beat Georgia Tech at home. If that happens, you get off to a 3-0 start. And then you go through the stretch of Alabama on the road, LSU at home, certainly a different place on the schedule for Ole Miss playing LSU on September 20, what was it, September 30th? By the way, Ole Miss got 3,000 tickets to Tulane. Ooh. The, the rest of them are going to be expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like those will be cheap. I mean, even if you order them through the right, school, yeah. you have the ability to buy them through the school. But, yeah, you're going to have to go to the secondary market. We can take a peek and see what they look like on the secondary market. But my guess is there's some Tulane fans who will pay for their season tickets by selling those yeah. those. That game. I listened uh, to a New Orleans-based podcast. A couple of guys. One mentioned that he wants to buy Tulane season tickets just to sell them to what he described as dumb, rich old Miss fans. So, um, I, I, you know, but yeah, there are going to be people that do that. Yeah. So, I mean, Ole Miss's ticket allotment is three thousand. W- w- would you guess that when it's all said and done, there's somewhere between five and ten thousand Ole Miss fans that are there? Wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and tens of thousands more just hanging out in the city because you know. Yeah. So after that stretch, at Alabama, LSU, Arkansas, an open date, and then a road trip to Auburn. It's tough. I mean, that that's the four game stretch for Ole Miss that stands out on the schedule where you're like, whew, what does it look like going? So if if you if you give Ole Miss a three and start, then you look at that next four game stretch and you say, okay, is there a way to win two of those? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, I mean, like team coaches, whatever, they they all want to win all of them. But if you're playing the little mark, you know, you're, you're marking W's and L's on the schedule. In March, looking ahead to the football season, you're thinking, okay, if you go two and two in that window, then you are five and two after seven games. You got Vanderbilt. It's a game you expect to win. That's six. A&M at home. Frankly, a game you expect to win. I think Texas A&M is going to take a step forward this year. However, however, have you seen that there's already a – I mean, Jimbo's already kind of stepped on it just a touch when asked about Bobby Petrino calling plays this year. He he was like, 
yeah, well, you know, we're just going to figure that out. And then he, like, clarified. He's like, yeah, we believe in his system, and he, he's going to be our, our, our primary play caller. There's a chance for that to blow up spectacularly. Yeah. They're talented. It's a really Let's talented hope. roster. Especially when the worst-case scenario for – the worst-case scenario for Jimbo Fisher is getting written a $70 million check when this season ends. Yeah. That's, that's, or, or, excuse me, what is, it, is it 66? I, I think it's less than, than 70. But, yeah, that's the worst thing that's going to happen to him this year. But, I mean, based on recent history, if you're going and picking games, you say, sure, Ole Miss can beat Texas A&M at home. Georgia's a game that you're not predicting to win. Right? You're, you're just not. So, so A&M would be 7-2. and two. A loss to Georgia would be 7-3. and three. ULM is 8-3. and three. And then the Egg Bowl, if it, if it plays out this way, the Egg Bowl is the difference in an eight-win season and a nine-win season. Of those. And, 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 and I guess just as a final note here, when you're paying your head football coach nine million dollars, I don't think expecting nine wins is unreasonable. I know what Ole Miss has done traditionally. Ole Miss has never paid a football coach nine million dollars before. I've never done it. Not even close. If you're paying nine million, I mean that's a million dollars a win, and that's five and three in the league. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. Can Ole Miss pull that off on the field? Tons of questions to be answered between now and then. For Sports Talk Mississippi, now. now. Service announcement. I was looking during the break on some of the secondary ticket sites. Um, vivid seats. You can buy tickets together about 10 rows up in the end zone, directly behind the goalpost for 70 bucks a piece. This is Ole Miss Tulane. You can sit. Sideline, 50-yard line for 200 bucks a ticket. That's actually not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. So you got a bunch of options at 100 bucks a ticket or less. And while that's expensive, that's just what college football is now. So anyway, do, do with that whatever you will. Looks like um, the visitor sideline is sections 118 through 124. I don't know that those tickets are going to get a whole lot cheaper than they are right now. So if you're thinking ahead and planning a trip to New Orleans in uh, early September, pull the trigger on those tickets. You can make that trip, Morky. You love New Orleans. I do, but unlikely. Okay. Be too much fun. Hey, Dad, you, you gonna know. make that trip? <laughs> uh, no. Hey, we were looking at some of these football schedules and the most difficult stretch of games for Florida. 
it really comes at the end of the year, and it's it's a five game stretch for Florida. After their we'll open date on October, party. yeah, I say after their open date on October twenty first, they go cocktail party against Georgia, Arkansas at home, at LSU, at Missouri, Florida State at home. Oof. I think it could be a career-defining stretch for Billy Napier. Yeah, it could. He got the huge win at home like, against Utah last year. Yeah. But he's got to open the he's season. He's like 4-1 and one in that stretch. Good luck. So he needs to go 4-1 and one in that stretch? Uh, yeah. I mean, Florida's not going to tolerate 7-5. and five. I mean, if he loses three games there, he's probably going to lose to Tennessee. Who's their other West? Oh, no, you, you listed both the West teams. I, I think they're going to lose to Utah on the road. Okay. I mean, they're in trouble. So they beat McNeese, beat Charlotte. They're going to win at Kentucky? They didn't Maybe. last time they were up there. I don't know. They're going to beat Vanderbilt? I don't know. Should at home. Going to win at South Carolina? I would say no. Going to beat Arkansas at home? It's a toss-up for me. LSU-Florida always gets weird, but that game is at LSU on November 11th. Yeah, LSU will win that game. And Missouri seems to play better at the end of the year. Maybe it's because it's so cold. I don't know if Florida can handle the cold weather in Columbia. They won at Florida last year, right? Didn't Missouri? I believe so. Is yeah. there a Darth Vader costume involved? No, that was that was that was two years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Mullen was still there. Yeah. Uh what about Tennessee? Tennessee's schedule sets up pretty well for them. Their first five, so Virginia and Nashville to start the year, then Austin P, then they go to Florida, then UTSA, then South Carolina. That's not an easy first five games, but that's the first five that Tennessee could certainly it's navigate man. to a Very 5-0 much. start. Yeah. Then an open day before they host A&M, they've got to go to Tuscaloosa this year, got to go to Lexington. They get UConn at home in November, got to go to Missouri, Georgia at home, and then close it out with Vanderbilt at home. So not really a tough four-game stretch, but that uh, A&M, Alabama, Kentucky is probably it. I know when we start stretching this out to six games, you're like, okay, it's half the season. Yeah. But listen to this six-game window for Arkansas. BYU at home, at LSU, Texas A&M and Arlington, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, Mississippi State and Fayetteville. Ooh. That's very tough. Ooh. That's very tough. Now Arkansas starts the year with Western Carolina and Kent State, so it should be a good start to the season. They beat BYU in Provo last year. So maybe you give them a 3-0 start. Then it's Baton Rouge, Arlington, Texas, Oxford, Tuscaloosa, back home to Fayetteville for Mississippi State. Is this the last year of Arlington, Texas? I thought last year was the last year of that. I don't know, man. Feels like that's never going to end. Wasn't it a 10-year contract? I I don't remember. I don't know. Auburn stretch of... At A&M, Georgia at home, open date at LSU, Ole Miss at home. Mm. The SEC, man. I mean, there's no getting away from this stuff. Yeah. 
for A&M, I guess I would go Auburn because that's a weird series. It is, yeah. And then Arkansas, and then Alabama, and then at Tennessee. I think that's the four-game window I would pick out for Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. I think. So, is there anybody yeah. else of note? Like, I mean, I, I, I kind of cherry-pick teams there. Eh, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely it for A&M. For the rest of the conference? Um, no, no, no. Yeah, I was just saying kind of for, for the conference as a whole. How about the the East? Who's got it most difficult in terms of their Western Division opponents? Florida plays Arkansas and LSU. LSU. Georgia's got Ole Miss and Auburn. Tennessee has Kentucky. A&M and Alabama. Yeah. Missouri's got... LSU and Arkansas. Kentucky has Mississippi State and Alabama. Vandy's got Florida and Georgia. That might be it, just because Kentucky has not won in Starkville since... Moby Dick was a minnow. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think it was 2008. Yeah. And then, in terms of the, the hardest East draw... Auburn gets a little bit of a break because they've got Vanderbilt in addition to Georgia this year. Hmm. Alabama gets Tennessee like they do every year in Kentucky. For Arkansas, it's Missouri. That's their permanent permanent, and Florida. Hmm. For Auburn, it's Vandy and who? Vandy and Georgia. Okay, we said that a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. LSU has Florida and Missouri too. That's a it's interesting coincidence for uh for them in Arkansas. Yeah. For Mississippi State, Kentucky, and who? South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. For Ole Miss, it's Vanderbilt and Georgia, and for Texas A and M, Tennessee, and that's. It's hard to believe you wouldn't pick somebody who who has Georgia, but I mean, in terms of two tough games, you would say because I mean Ole Miss has Georgia, but they have Vanderbilt. Yeah. Auburn has Georgia, but they have Vanderbilt. Uh, A&M with Tennessee and South Carolina is probably the toughest East draw. Yeah. You can uh, join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. JP and Carn says, fun conversation today on football schedules. And we'd like to drop in the, the, the scheduling stuff. We'll, we'll do this. I'm sure we'll do it again between now and... Now in September, a lot of different ways to look at it. Kevin says, heck, when State rolls into Fayetteville, the Hogs may be smoked and pulled pork. Well, that's what you hope if you're a Mississippi State fan. Hope yeah, they're, they're on life at that point. Yeah. Is Florida on the verge of becoming what Tennessee was? I mean, can the East support three 10-win teams is basically what you're asking. Because Georgia and Tennessee are kind of there right now. Can Florida get there? That's tough. Yeah. Um, Most Ole Miss fans just assume it's in the Dome and have not thought about it. Well, we're telling you it's not. It is at Yulman Stadium Stadium. in Uptown. Cool setting. State is there, I think, in 25. 
I think. I could be wrong. Cody and Tupelo, schedule looks way too tough for Ole Miss or State to win over eight games. Looks more like they would both likely be seven and five to eight and four at best. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think I mean State's such a veteran team; they bring back so much production. You know, I think I think not having Mike Leach is is sort of tainted everybody's view on that. You know, because they don't know what to make of Barnett, and that's fine. And then with Ole Miss, I mean, if they're just better defensively, you know they're going to score points with, with Dart and Judkins. So it's just a better, are they better defensively? Assuming Jackson Dart is your starting quarterback. I'm making that assumption. Even with Georgia being on Ole but, Miss's schedule, I feel like the road home discrepancies uh, leads to Ole Miss's schedule being easier than State's. That's weird because, like I said, State has eight home games. Yeah. But... Alabama and LSU are two of them. That hurts it. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We will wrap up the Thursday edition of the show when we come back. What do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi one last time on this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. Uh, Let's see, nine minutes to go in the first half. Kansas State and Michigan State in a tight one at Madison Square Garden, 18-17. K-State has a one-point lead about the halfway point of the first half. And uh, we are, what, about 20 minutes away from tip-off for Arkansas and UConn? So that's uh, it's coming, I think 6.15 is the uh, start time for that one. I think that's right. We've looked at that schedule like 12 different times and then keep going away from it. So that one is uh, that one's coming up, and then you've got uh, Tennessee and FAU in the second game in New York, and then the nightcap in Vegas is UCLA and Gonzaga. Should be a fun night of basketball. Um, and if this first game is any indication, maybe a night's got some uh, got some close games all the way around. Any final thoughts on this kind of late March glance at the uh, the football schedule. We've looked at the first couple of weeks nationally. We've uh, we've looked at the SEC, kind of some of the tough stretches, the opposite division opponents for, for both sides of the league. Is there anything that stands out right now? I just want to say that I enjoyed the discussion. <laughs> Nothing stands out, but thank you, may I have another. I mean, it's just... Well, Borky said it said it best that you know week one you know it's just going to be everybody's glad to have football back. There's not a lot to there's not a lot of meat on that bone, but there's something. Week two is when we start getting into some 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 better games and better matchups, and it'll just sort of go from there. And and you know I hate that because I you know last year we had a really good week one, and and you know I feel like I don't know I feel like college football could do a little bit better job of marketing that opening weekend, but. You know, as I said, I'll just sort of take what I can get. And Borky, that's the drum that you've been beating, right? Got, got to be the SEC in particular. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I guess it's like nobody wants to be told how to schedule. No, and and I get it, but man... And and we haven't talked about this yet, and maybe we won't. It it just... Sometimes things get buried, but... Since the enacting of NIL, since that happened, uh, ratings for college sports have continuously gone up. More people are watching the NCAA tournament, both men and women. More people are watching college football. The numbers are are growing instead of shrinking when everybody talks about how it's going to ruin the sport and nobody's going to watch anymore. However, it it is getting more difficult, especially for people to, to go to these things. And, I mean, a a better schedule would help that. Now, you're going to get that naturally with the nine-game conference schedule with the SEC, but, man, what's going to bug me, because I know it's going to happen, or maybe it won't, but but hearing these $9 million football coaches, if any of them are upset with their fans for not showing up to an FCS game, that's really just going to really bother me. Because you you give no incentive for people to go see Southeast Louisiana and Mercer, when especially when these coaches have themselves described these games as preseason games, and then you get upset when people treat them like preseason games, just rings hollow uh, to me. So something's yeah. got to give here. The schedule's got to be better, or else people aren't going to spend their money that they have less of to show up to watch you play games that you describe as preseason. So it's got it's got to be better. If you want people to justify spending, they're going to watch. Everybody's going to watch. Goodness gracious, it costs a lot. Yeah. I mean, you got to pay for the tickets. You got to pay for the coach's salary. You got to pay for the players with their NI. I mean, what do you not have to pay for these days? Maybe you just want to stay home and watch it on television. You can pay for your food. Sorry for being distracted, guys. I was watching uh, another track meet video. Just got another second place finish. All right. Proud of this. This whole, uh, this whole track thing's kind of cool. If if it, could you run an eight hundred meter? Hey, Borky, Borky, you could, couldn't you? It's, it's two full laps around the track, and it's not a dead sprint. I mean, but what is that like a I mean, mile? Not running as hard. That's half a mile. No, it's half a mile. Yeah, I mean, I know you could run it, but I'm talking about like, you know. Pretty dang good pace, and you're asking because you run it fast. Meters. Yes, I mean, yeah. fast is I a relative not. term because like people would be able to do it faster. But could I keep up a speed that would be higher than a jog for half a mile? Yeah. Okay, that's impressive. I don't think I could. <laughs> not this guy. I mean, I could jog it half a mile. I do. I, I end my runs with a, a good power walk. It probably quarter mile dead sprint every time, so I could expand that. For sure. Hey, Dad, I don't know if you've ever been distance, driving right? home and see Borky doing his dead sprint in the na- or his quarter mile sprint in the neighborhood. And gets gets that last little bit in, yeah. yeah. Last bit of juice. I like it. You drop down and hit like fifty push ups once you cross the finish line too. I've started this thing where we, we got twenty seconds guy. left, but like I'll, if I if I find like that I'm bored, I'll, I'll drop and just do ten push ups, and that that's helped a lot. There you go. Anytime you feel bored, I don't, like, do oh, I don't know what I'm to bored. do. Just go do push ups. Go do push-ups. Push-ups, yeah, no. chin-ups, pretty good. Enjoy your uh, your Sweet 16 basketball Thursday night. you got Georgia-South Carolina, or Auburn-South Carolina baseball, and we'll keep you up to date with the schedule tomorrow. Good night. It's incredible! 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services a Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.